Hello and welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. Every now and then, I have a conversation where I expect that it's gonna be good, but then it's a billion times better than I could have even imagined. And this is absolutely one of those. It is with Misha Mansoor of Periphery, and we talked about everything. We talked about his early days and how excited he was to just be able to follow his dream and his passion of music and everything that that led to. But within this conversation, he shared so many great pieces of advice, really all along the path of follow your passion, align with the right people, keep things simple, and all the rest will pay off. But hearing his story and hearing how that worked out for him and everything that he shared just made it hit so different. So I'm literally blown away by this. I'm going to keep rambling if I don't just get into the episode. My one other note that I say all the time is if you do like this episode, if you're just now finding it, or if you're a longtime subscriber, if you haven't already, share the episode with a friend that you think would like it. Subscribe wherever you listen. All that stuff helps grow this podcast and talk to people like Misha that much more. So it would mean a ton to me if you do that. And there I will leave it. Enjoy the episode. Misha Mansoor, where are all my friends? <laughs> this is how do I look? This is what I get for doing the podcast on. <laughs> yeah, this is this is your punishment, um, and I am, for the record, gonna stay like this. So if you're watching this and you can't stand this visage, then uh, you're gonna have a bad time. As well just I stop tuned watching into right the now. Where Are All My Friends podcast, and I couldn't accurately see Misha, and now I don't like it. Thumbs down. You can a bit more accurately see me there. You're wondering what I look like most of the time. Man, those if you're my, listening those to are, this, Those are my real eyes. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah uh, of course, of course. I wanted to look a little cooler today, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate it, dude. Like, sometimes you gotta come in and razzle-dazzle the pod. So, this is this is definitely razzle dazzling. This the is the razzle so. dazzle. I feel I feel good about. This. You're getting special treatment. <laughs> this is nice. This is nice to explain briefly. I'm excited to do this podcast because honestly, I really didn't know you at all before this, and I'm surprised because we both have been around music for a huge amount of our lives and our careers. We're both really big car nerds and fans, and it seems like we have a couple mutual friends and crossover. So episodes like this are always really fun for me because I'm like, damn, I'm surprised we hadn't been friends before, but this is dope getting to know you and learn all these things. So thanks Absolutely. for taking the time to do it. Of course. So um, as far as your band story, as far as periphery goes, I feel like you've good and told that story pretty well. So I kind of want to talk about like everything that you're doing past that. But for an, for a listener who doesn't know who you are, just very briefly who you are and what you do. All right. Well, I'm a space pirate and <laughs> there are these things called bounties and you know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm in a band called periphery. Um, I started it in a bedroom in 2005. Um, it was sort of at the, the, the advent of like finding members on social media and the, the internet and forums and things like that, uh, which did well for us. And, uh, I still make music in a bedroom. And that's basically, <laughs> that's basically the whole story. We've been able to go on tour and tour the world and, you know, it's, it's been fun, but it's, um, it's, it's always just been about having fun, really just having fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. You started music in a bedroom 
and you continue to make music in a bedroom, except every now and then you travel the world when there isn't a pandemic. Right, right. Yeah, the pandemic has kind of brought it back to 2005 levels of touring. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's something that I feel very fortunate to do. It's definitely, you know, a, a dream that a lot of people chase uh, and that uh, the odds are definitely against you. And, um, you know, I, I attribute so much of why we are where we are to, to just luck, unfortunately. Really? <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Really? Yeah. Because, yeah. well, that's so interesting to me because I think a lot of times you'll hear a successful person kind of play to some amount of luck. However, the thing that I was looking at and thinking about right before we started recording is like just the incredible amount of volume of music that you've put out you've put out so much music yeah but it's you know it's a it's a passion play you know like i at, at the end of the day the music's always just been something that i enjoy doing and i don't even think i'm that good at it but i enjoy it and the example i always give is like i play a lot of video games too you know i don't think i'm very good at video games but i still enjoy it it's, it's very much the same thing so it's just something i really enjoy doing um and you know i enjoyed sharing it because I was actually nervous to share it at first because I thought everyone would hate it, but then people didn't hate it. And that sort of created a little feedback loop of like, oh, well, I should keep sharing it. So I'd post it up online on forums and whatever that I happened to be posting on anyways. One thing led to another, you know, and then it was like, oh, there, there may be viability for a band here. But yeah, it's a lot of it is right place, right time. I always say if I had to start a band again, I probably wouldn't because um, really? I recognize how much yeah, how much how much of it is down to luck? And I have so many friends who are insanely talented, much more talented than me, who just didn't have the opportunities or whatever. It's a, it you know, I think I think one of the biggest scams in this industry that a lot of people try to sell you is like you just have to want it. Like everybody wants it. Wow. You know, wanting yeah. it, working hard, you know, like being driven, all those things. People want those to be the the separators, but they're not. Those are the things that get your foot in the door. And then beyond that, I'll say there's two things. It, one is having luck, but two is also not squandering it. So Yo, yeah. having, having, um, having a mindset situation, group of people, uh, you know, advisors, whatever it is, or, you know, an innate ability to, to, to figure stuff out, whatever it is to help you maximize these opportunities so that when you, when you are lucky, you are making the most of them. Um, you know, I'd say we've been fortunate with that as well, but we, we haven't even gotten that right every time, of course, you know, it's a, it's a, the learning process. Well, that's actually a really, really interesting topic to talk about because it's like, okay, cool. So you say that you attribute it to luck and you're just stoked that it worked out, et cetera. But then I do think that there's plenty of people that have been given that chance of luck or the right place, right time moment, the spotlight's been on them. And then they do squander it. So yeah. at what, like, where did you kind of get the self-awareness or the skills or whatever that was to understand like, okay, I don't know how I got here. I don't know how people are paying attention. I don't think I'm the best, but people are and it's catching. So now I have to continue to make sure that it goes and to continue to build that. Like, where did that come from? How did you figure that out? I don't think out? that, I don't think that was ever the mindset though. Oh, Like the mindset was just, like, I like making music. My dream is to play live. I remember thinking, like, if we could just get a band and, like, 
do a tour in a van, you know, just to not lose too much money would be, that would be the dream, you know, like to just get in the van. Like that was such a romantic idea, you know, and it's like sleeping on people's couches, sleeping on floors, you know, just really slumming it. Like that was, that was the dream. Uh, and that was like also like an attainable dream, you know, it was, it was never like, oh, I want to play like arenas. I mean, of course, everybody in the back of their, yeah, yeah. their, their mind wants that. And we still don't play arenas, you know, but it's <laughs> like, but, but, uh, but that was never really like, it was more the sort of like intimate side of it. That was a bit more, more like the sort of more DIY, like, like punk rock. Not that we're punk at all, but like just that kind of vibe where it was like, that's all I was aiming for. And everything else has been icing on the cake, really. So it was just more like, okay, well, we've gotten this far. Like, how far can we push this crazy thing? This doesn't make sense. And also, when, when I first started the project, it was very hard to find members. And our music was not cool. Like, the first, the first few tours we did, people did not like us. Like, we were, really? we were no, not at all. Um, I remember just being stoked if like, you know, we saw a couple people kind of vibing out because like people were just waiting for us to stop. Um, what and kind then the of first tours time, were you on? Like, who were you opening for? Well, the first like sort of real big tour that we did uh, was the Thrash and Burn tour. It was like the summer festival tour, you know, so there was like 10 bands. I think, uh, I think Devil Driver was headlining, but Muir was, uh, was uh, direct support and they were drawing the entire crowd. Okay. And um and we were we were actually somehow not even just opening, we were like second. But oh. yeah, people were just waiting for our set to be over. Damn. Um, and uh but but I remember there were some there there might have been the odd show where like there was like a little mosh pit at some point, and like that made my life. You know, like that was that was a big enough deal. If like at some point some people were kind of vibing or getting into it, like that was that was amazing. But I was just stoked to be playing live. So everything from there was just kind of like, well where can we go with this? You know, like that's, damn, that's not so bad. It was all bonus round from there. Like as soon as you're yeah, on stage, yeah, yeah. you're like, damn guys, we did it. Yeah. That, that was the goal. That was because that, that was like kind of a realistic goal. Like all the other pipe dream things. It's like, it's great, but it's like, you don't, you, it's, it's fun to dream about stuff. Like I like yeah. to dream about stuff, but I also dream about stuff recognizing that, you know, kind of what makes it fun is the fact that it'll probably never happen, you know? So like from that, from that perspective, it was, yeah, it was all bonus round because this was like achieving the thing that in my head, I was like, this would be a dream. And I think it's realistic if we put in this kind of work and we were kind of smart about it, you know? Right. And also, didn't you have a background where like a whole lot of your family and your upbringing was like, go to school, go to college. So even just getting away from that and trying that was like a huge win for you to get that. Uh, yeah, my, you know, my, my dad's an example of someone who like just, you know, studied in school, worked hard, got a job, bought a house, you know, had a family, you know, the, the traditional model of like the parent in the nuclear family. And like, as far back as I could remember, you know, I'm first generation American and like, I found this out after the fact, but like, there tends to be a very strong push on education like that, like yeah. that, above all education is the most important thing. So with my parents, it was always, and I was pretty bad at school. Like I wasn't getting good grades or anything like that. Um, and they wanted me to get good grades so bad. They always tried, you know, we, we weren't really allowed to like watch much TV or like, I, I never had like video games or consoles. And there was always like a deal like, Oh, if you make the honor roll, we'll get you a PlayStation or something like that. Wow. But I never made, I never made the honor roll. So like I never had a PlayStation. Or Nintendo or anything like that. Yeah, they were, they were, they, I mean, I, I get it. Like, I get why they wanted, 
like education is very important. And then totally, you know, I finally made it. Didn't have the chance, right? Like if you're first generation American, like you don't know like the luxury to get an education like that. Like they just want the best for you. Like they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They, and, and you know, they, they like, for example, like they moved into like, we got a house in Bethesda, Maryland that my parents couldn't afford. We, Um, we have, we had to have like, uh, you know, lodgers or like, they were like renting a room out to like, you know, and like, I remember like growing up and it was like, I remember thinking that if you went to the grocery store and you didn't shop with coupons, you're a millionaire. Like that's, or if you weren't buying, <laughs> yeah. if you were buying stuff. I remember like thinking like buying like, like non-store brand stuff, you know, like name brand stuff was crazy. Yeah. Like, you go why to would a you friend's do that? house and they have like the name brand cereal. You're just my like, dad was Yo. always, my dad's like, why would we, why should we pay double the price? It's the same thing. You know, it's like, and this it, like, it's still in the back of my head today. You know, when yeah, I go yeah, shopping, yeah. I still get the guilt <laughs> over it, but like, I remember thinking, I remember thinking all that stuff, but like, it was because the the zip code that we moved into, it wasn't like a crazy nice house or anything. It was just the zip code that we were in put us in a very good school system, oh, you know, good yeah. public school set for like, uh, like, especially like the middle school and high school. Right. Very and that's a real regarded. thing. Like you yeah. can overextend yourself for your housing situation. If you know that that gets your kids into great schools, you'll do it. And that's, do. that's, that's what, and you know, there were some people I know that like, you know, I'm not going to name names. Um, and and I don't have a problem with this. I'm 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 happy they did it. But like who weren't in that that district, but like basically like use some loopholes to get their kids into that school system. So it was yeah. a very desirable school system. And my parents basically, yeah, they basically were were very house poor just yeah. to get just to get us into this good school system. So yeah. that's how important education was to them. And as far back as I can remember, it was always like, yeah, you, you want to go to school. It'd be like, why do I have to go to school today? Well, because you, you have to get good grades and then you get into a good college and then you get a good job and you can buy a house, have a family, whatever. So right, like, like as far back as I can remember, that was just, that was just the way. And an interesting thing happens like when you turn 18, all of a sudden, or well, for me, it was like 17, 18, whatever. But all of a sudden you don't have to do anything. Right. Like, yeah. You, like once you're out of high school, like it's, it's a very interesting transition because like, you go from like, it is illegal for you not to go to school to like, now you don't have to do anything. Just one day. That's yeah. it. Right. You yeah, can go, no, to, you can go to college. That's a way to put it, but you're right. Like it really is. Like you spend your entire life growing up having to do something. And then all of a sudden a day on a calendar strikes and you can do literally anything. Anything, anything. And it's like, there's no transition. There's no preparation. And if anything, you know this is maybe me getting a bit cynical here, but like, I think the the whole like university thing, I'm not going to say it's a scam overall, but just, they definitely scam. What I'll, I'll explain what I mean. Like, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And they're like, that's fine. You can figure it out. Like, but like to not go to college, like in my school system was considered like, Oh, you're going to be homeless. Like, yeah. Oh, you want to be one of the poors, I guess, you know, it's totally. like, and like, it, and it was just, you would be look like, Oh, you know, that guy didn't get into college, you know, like that's like, that's this horrible thing. In yeah. hindsight, I really wish someone had encouraged me to just get a job for a year. Like, it's like, Oh, you don't know what you want to do. Go work, go work. Yeah. Like literally anything. Doesn't matter what, go make minimum wage for a year. And I'll give you some perspective. Picture. Yeah, to paint yeah. that picture a little bit more. Like now I think like this next generation that's graduating high school, like parents can kind of see like you can make very real money doing things on the internet. There's all these non-traditional things. Like it's I think it's a little less of like a mandatory thing and people are talking about it more. But like uh, you came from uh, how old are you now? 
Uh, so I'm, I'm, what am I, 36? Jeez, I'm Okay, yeah, and then I'm 30. There. So like, I would say my generation, like right at 30 is just the beginning of when that was like, I was still kind of looked at as like a black sheep when I dropped out of college or when I didn't do college. So like you were yeah. even ahead of me where it was just different. Like it wasn't the but same. But it's, it's also this bubble. There was also this bubble around this school system and like where I grew up that, oh, that so compounded the effect. Yeah, it compounded yeah, yeah, the yeah. effect because it was like, you know, and, and I feel like schools would take advantage of this to some degree because, you know, they want they don't care if you don't. It's almost better for them if you don't know what you want to do. It's another year of tuition that you right. just waste, you know? Yeah. So for them as a business, it's of course you're, you're trusting them this whole time. You're like, oh, the school system is their job to teach me. And now they're saying, yeah, go to college. So it's like, oh, I guess I have to go to college. But really, I, I didn't have to go to college and I, I shouldn't because I didn't have a job or I didn't have a path I knew what I wanted to do. Like if you're like, right. oh, I, I, I want to be a doctor. I want to be this or I want to be any sort of job where you need a degree. Then go to college. Go get it, that done. That's great. You know, and then it's not a scam. Take it seriously. Yeah. Get your degree. But like if you don't know if you work that year, sorry to cut you off. Like, I think we're probably about to say the same thing. But like if you go and work that year without college, you understand like, oh, I have that like finesse and that grind where I can figure out how to do this without it. Or, oh, this sucks being the general manager of a thing. And I want to go get a formal education so I can skip all these steps. Like you understand why and you understand what you're going for. It'll give you perspective at the very least, you know, And, and, and I think also working a shitty job is kind of important is character building for once and like you never have that experience like you know I, I worked I worked summers to like like pay off gear that I wanted to buy you know but like and that sucked but it sucks in a different way to like the grind because there's an end in sight you know yeah. like the grind is a little different you know and it's just like you it, it's just important perspective I think because you never really have to do something like that even as much as a grind as school can be there's these other aspects to it. Mm-hmm. And it always feels like you're working towards something. Um, whereas, whereas just working a job, like just working whatever job. And, you know, if you're just out of high school, you're not really going to have like a ton of great opportunities. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's important. I think it, I think that gives you a lot of perspective, whether it helps you figure out what you want to do. It may help you figure out what you definitely don't want to do. And that can be a great motivator. If Ooh, you're like, yeah. well, if these are the options that are available to me, like, I'm not okay with this. So what do I need to do now? Now, maybe, now maybe college is like, yeah, like, like this, this, this path may have seemed like a lot of work, but it's a lot less work than just working this with no real end in sight, you know, or what am I going to do? Become the manager of the store? Like, is that really what I want to do? Or maybe it is, maybe you're like, Hey, I like, I like where I work and, and this grind is actually real. And I could become manager, district manager. Like that's a path and that's a real path and you can make money and like, you know, but these are all perspectives that like in this bubble, like I wasn't going to get. I, right. So I ended up going to college Oh, you did, uh, and wasting two, two years there. Well, cause and I was, eventually, yeah. I was going to say like, you've done a great job painting the picture of what it must have been like to grow up in your life and to make that jump of, I'm not going to do the formal thing. I'm not going to do the college thing. And I'm about to just go play music or make music in my bedroom. Like, that came from a very different place and that was quite the jump it feels like for you and i get it even more so to be like yeah dude the fact that we were in a van playing shows like that hits different when you've already accomplished your breaking off from the path and you probably have this like huge uh wave of appreciation just for that 
Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, I guess long story long on all of this, but the way it, the way it happened, I went to, to college not knowing what I want to do, not really finding out what I want to do there. And I was skipping class the whole time, just recording. Like, it was around the time where, I, like, I figured out on my gaming computer I could start recording. Yeah. And, you know, there was software that was facilitating that. And then all of a sudden I could make music by myself without bothering anyone. And that's just what I did all day, like, every day. And I was in, I, I went to University of Toronto, which gets very cold. So I didn't even want to go outside. So I just stayed in making music. And yeah. I was, eventually after a couple of years, and, I, and this is the other thing is I talked to a lot of people. This is the sort of myth that got sold. And maybe at one point was true. Maybe it was just transitioning uh, around our generation. And it's probably less true now, or, or, or sorry, even more true now is, you know, this degree and the value of it has really gone down. Like, there used to be a point in time where it would guarantee you something. But now I was talking to people, you know, I'd be at like, I'd be eating out a restaurant somewhere and I'd be talking to the server and they'd be like, oh yeah, I have a master's in English. I'm like, well, what are you doing serving here? They're like, well, you know, I wanted to be a journalist. I'm like, but you have a master's. Like, and he's like, yeah, well, it's hard to find a job. I really wish they had, you know, taught me to network more. And I'm like, wow, that's interesting. So then I started to realize that like, no matter what you're in, it's going to be a hustle. So I, like I had a conversation with my parents because I had a breakdown. I was like, I don't even like what I'm doing. And I'm against people. It's it's a competitive field. Everything's a competitive field. And I'm up against people who really, really love it. They love this as much as I love music. So shouldn't I be, if I'm going to be up against a hustle anyways, shouldn't I be doing the thing that I actually genuinely care about? And, you know, they they agreed with that. They reluctantly, they hated it. They were like, you know, the odds are like, terrible my dad's very logical and he logically <laughs> broke down like why i should prepare myself for disappointment wow and i was like look like you're right but if i don't try i don't think i could live with myself you know <laughs> like and he was like well you know this isn't an excuse to be lazy like if you think you're just gonna come home and like stay at home and like just be lazy like playing video games all day or making music all day like you're wrong that's not what we're doing here so like here's the deal you come home, you get a full-time job. If you get a full-time job, we'll rent you a room in our house for cheap for Bethesda. You know, he's like, you won't find a better deal. <laughs> We're Jewish. So, you know, he's got he's to get a cut off. He's of breaking it down the numbers. He's, he's an economist. He's, he's an yeah. economist. He's like, you're going to be paying rent. But like, if you get a full-time job, you'll be getting the best rate in Bethesda that you could get. I, I very you know? deeply relate to a lot of what you're saying. So yeah, yes, but, but, but it was good. It was good because he was like, I want you to work. And then he's like, you know, in your free time, you could do whatever you want. And if that's music, mm -hmm. then it's music. And I'll tell you, like, I went from being miserable to probably like the happiest I've been in a while. Like, because, you know, even working my job, I at least felt like I was working towards something in my downtime. And I just swore off of everything else. In my downtime, I was just working on music, you know? Um, that's and, cool. And people, people are like, oh, you know, like, so you have to make a sacrifice. I'll, I'll tell you, it did not feel like a sacrifice to me. It felt like the way, like, this was like, oh, finally, I'm doing something that feels right. I think, like, what it was was in college. I was just like, this feels wrong. This does not feel like the way... To happiness or fulfillment or anything it feels like i'm just treading water yeah, uh, yeah. and and the thing i want to do is just getting sort of pushed to the side and then for the first time ever even though like i was only able to dedicate a certain amount of time a day to music it still felt like that was what i was really working on you know Dude. And, the, and that the work, kind of explains it like that that explains why you're just stoked on whatever level you're like dude i did it as soon as i was able to just make music like i did it 
Well, yeah, because I was like, I was even there, and I, I probably wouldn't feel the same way if I was still at that level now. But like there, I was like, man, like if I can just work and just do music in my free time. That's a way better deal. <laughs> like, yeah, that's fine. Like, you know. And yeah, I, I was living, I was living in in my parents' basement, you know. <laughs> but like, I didn't care, you know. Uh, I I I was happy. It, was, it, me- it meant I had low expenses. You know, I was able to walk to work, so I didn't need a car or anything like that. Like, I, I had very low expenses. My That's mom amazing. would cook, which was great, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And my you really rent got was, a good was, deal on that. My room. rent, my rent was dirt cheap, so that was my only real expense. Yeah, like, yeah. and and I just. Saved up all my money and spent it all on gear. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so two questions there. One, you said you didn't have a car. When did your car hobby, uh, when did your love for cars kick in? Like at that point, were you like wishing that you were pushing some fun tuner car or something? Or you oh, just- yeah. I, so for the record, like I didn't get into music properly until I was like 13 or 14, you know? Okay. My mom made me take piano lessons when I was young, but I hated them, you know? Okay. And I never really considered being a musician. I wasn't, I, I'm the oldest, so I, I didn't have anyone really showing me cool music till oh, I was about 14. Like then I had a friend show me some some stuff and that like changed everything. And that was like, oh, I want to play guitar, I want to play drums. I want to play like you know, heavier music or rock or whatever, right? And yeah. that's where that sort of dream, you know, crystallized, if you will. But mm. the love for cars has been there like as far back as memory goes. Wow. Um, you know, I remember, I always tell people this, but like, but it's true. Uh, and, and it'll always have a, an impact on me. Um, but like when I was really young, like, because I think I loved cars even before my memories, you know, the memories I can access. So like at some point my, my mom got me this like, um, Ferrari F40 model, like those wow. diecast models. That'll those do it. models. And like, I just remember seeing this thing and being like, okay, well, this is going to be my life, I guess, you know, <laughs> like this is now the thing <laughs> I'm obsessed with. And I yep. must've been like four or five years old. And like, you know, I, I just loved, I just loved that thing. And I started to like ask for more models and whatever, but like, yeah, I, I loved, I loved cars always, like always, always, always loved cars. That's um, sick. And I so- remember like when I was like younger and like, you know, I've just like, I mean, like I talk about cars. With my, this is when I was like, you know, eight, nine, ten years old. Um, like I used to like look in the windows at like the car speedos to see like how far they would go. Like, oh, this one goes to like, you know, 140 miles an hour. This one goes to 160. That's crazy. You know, that car is four exhaust pipes. That must be a fast. You know, just like yeah. just looking at cars, just obsessed. I've, I've always been obsessed. But yeah. You know, this whole part of the story, I have no money. <laughs> I have nothing. I have no means. I'm just window shopping. And right. again, if what we're talking like about like cars that you wished that you could buy. Oh, um, I remember seeing like, like when it came out, like the, the, the BMW M3 E46 in Laguna Seca blue, which also oh probably my started God. my obsession with blue cars. Yeah. Um, you know, because I'd never seen that color on a car before. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's wild. And I was like, that just did something to me. <laughs> and the E46 was just such... part of your soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> okay, so this is now what I like. Um, and I always liked I always liked the BMWs and the M- and M3s, especially, the, you know, the older ones. I always just thought M3s look so cool. 
They always yeah. had the coolest wheels. They always had they always had speedometers that would go like further, like 180. I was like, oh yes. my god, that's so fast. That's crazy. The fastest you know? car I've ever seen. Right, right. Because you always assume that whatever it goes to is like the car's yeah, top yeah, speed. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Especially had as a four kid, exhaust like, that's perfect pipes. kid logic. Like, yeah, well, it's got right. four exhaust pipes that goes to 180 miles an hour. This is the coolest right, car I've ever right, seen. Have right. you seen coolest. this pastel blue? Come on. Right, right, right. So then like, um, yeah, like that was like one of those, one of those cars. I also remember, so kind of a side note, like when I was eight, we moved to Belgium for a few years. Um, my dad's job, dad's job. Right. But, um, and that, that was fun. But I remember like at one point, like we were just driving around and we passed a Ferrari dealership and like, I just about had a heart attack. And like they, they were closed, but like, you know, I was like kind of like looking on the window. I'd never seen these things up close and it was just like affecting me. <laughs> yeah. And there was a 348. There was like a red 348 in there. Uh, if you remember those. Yeah, and, you know, those cars, like even still today, they look kind of striking and they've got the, the, the Testarossa style, like uh, strikes on the doors. I, oh, I think they're dude. Called, Any they're like nineties generation Ferrari is like it for me. Like that's the, generation. well, it's cause what we grew up with and it looks, it doesn't true. look like anything else on the road, you know, like that's it was like true. the first time seeing, and they're so low to the ground and whatever. Right. Yeah. And I was like, you know, having no concept of money. I was like, dad, can we get a Ferrari? He's like, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> no, can't get a Ferrari. You That's know? amazing. And then, and then like, I swear like a week or two later, I saw like a Ferrari parked outside like um, our apartment that, that we lived in. Like, you know, and, and we actually lived next to the school that we were the building next to the school. So like, I used to just walk outside, walk to school. So I was always walking. I was like, the Ferrari outside. I was like, oh, you bought it. He's like, no, 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 that's not our car. Don't touch it. Like, I was like, no, I know, I know that you bought it because I asked for it the other day. Like, Holy crap. I was like, like, no, 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 oh. stop getting in that He's guy's like, car. Don't it's touch not that ours. car. That is not our car. <laughs> and like, like I was like, you're just keeping it a secret. <laughs> like, Holy crap. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, it looks kind of used, and there's someone's gloves and a bunch of stuff inside. That's okay, you know. Like, <laughs> That's okay, Dad. It still <laughs> goes to I don't 180. Mind. This one actually yeah. goes to 200. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that was always like kind of parked outside. I must have built belonged someone who lived like close by or whatever. Uh, yeah. And they parked it like just on on the street or whatever. So it was, which is kind of wild. What a in hindsight, of it. right? So but like, um, yeah. <laughs> so then that, to go back, so like the glove for cars was always there, but the means for it you were walking to work you didn't need a car so that was just like a thing that you liked and you were doing the music thing um because my other question in that was like at what moment in your early days was like a oh my god maybe this is working just a little bit of like when did you start to feel it catching or being like wait not only do i get to make my music but like people care um, to answer that, we have to go to space. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so, um, from this perspective, we could see the full story. So, um, <laughs> it, it, it's weird. So we put out our first album uh, and, and that got a very sort of lukewarm reception. Um, you know, people, people seem to like it, but again, we go on tour and people didn't really dig it. And then just something happened between that and the the second album, you know, like by the time we put out our second album, that's when people started to take an interest. That's when all of a sudden, like people were coming to shows to see us and oh. like we'd play songs and we'd see people moshing and they'd be singing along to like choruses or whatever. And how many um, years is that from you like being able to full send music? 
Oh, so like, yeah, I think I dropped out of school in like 2004-ish. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and 2005. And like, this wasn't, you know, we put our first album out in like 2010. So so it was a, it was a while. It took a while Ooh. to get a band together. Took took a while to get, and like, we had a record deal at this point, but like, you know, we turned down record deals for like three years, you know? Um, you because, had years in the game before it started yeah. to catch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, oh my, you have to realize like this was just something that I wanted to do, you know? <laughs> like, right, because you had bulb before periphery, right? But yeah, but that was just what I was uploading stuff as, okay, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um and like I'm putting out a solo album and that will be under bulb. That's just that became my name by accident. Got it. That was the name of my only other real band in Toronto when I lived there. Like I like I had a band, it was called Bulb. Okay. That all fell apart. But since I uploaded everything and I kept uploading <laughs> stuff, people just thought that I was bulb. They just kept calling me that. <laughs> so you're like, and it's, right, yeah, anytime you have to explain a, a long story and explain why people are wrong on the internet, like it's a losing battle. So eventually I just became bulb. You're it's like, not a name right, I would ever that? self. Uh, yeah. I've never self apply that name, but I just gave up eventually. That's so, hilarious. so I became, I became bulb and that became my sort of nickname. And then became like kind of a good, um, a good like shorthand. Like if we were on the road or whatever, and someone, if someone calls me Misha, then I know I probably know them or have met them. If they call me bulb, then it's like, we haven't met before, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 That <laughs> hey, actually bulb, makes you know, sense. Be like, Oh, what's up? You know? You're like, hello, but, new friend. Let us Hello, meet. new friend. Yeah. So, so yeah, it can provide some context, but, um, maybe less so today, but especially back then. But, um, yeah, like that, it, it all took, it all took a while, but like, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of sort of like internet hype about us and there were labels that were interested, but not interested. A lot of the, the labels that were interested, I think had people there that were like, Oh, you got to get this band. But the people who made decisions didn't really understand why right. or didn't get it, you know? Um, and, uh, and then like Ash at Sumerian really wanted us. And then this is where Sumerian was like, kind of like who, like what, yeah. what is this label? You know? Yeah. Um, and we turned down record deals for for like three years, if not a little longer, because I knew exactly the kind of deal that I wanted. Everyone was like, you're never going to get this kind of deal. Um, and then eventually we did. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and right now, in in hindsight, I'm so, so glad that we waited because as a result, we own all of our music. You know, Dude. we own everything. You know, a weird parallel that I'm kind of like drawing as we're talking is mm your career as a musician is so ahead but so similar to what people can do now online with like you can download a DAW you can make your own loops and samples and beats and you can kind of be like this solo artist be it hip-hop or bedroom pop whatever you know people can make music on their laptops record at home and just upload it and have a career and that's such a common thing now but like dude yeah you were essentially doing that back in 2004 and you were probably working on a genre that people didn't understand the same way that some of these genres are now just now getting understood, which is so Yeah. No, no, it's, it's definitely a parallel. And people always ask me, they're like, you know, so what's the secret? Do you have any tips? And I'm like, the problem is that like all the things that work for us will not work for you anymore because they're now the standard, you know? And when I was doing Uh these things, I didn't even think about it. Like the reason I was sharing music online was because I posted on forums back when forums were a thing. Now you'll probably yeah. have Discord or whatever, you know? Right. And the, yeah. That's that, the dynamic on Discord's a little different too. But like, you know, forums were big back then. And the reason I was on forums was like, I'm a big Meshuggah fan. I play seven string guitars. You know, I'm a big 
Petrucci fan and production fan. So I was on all these forums because, you know, I couldn't talk to my friends about any of this stuff. And it kind of annoyed them if I did. And then all of a sudden there's a group of people where not only like, can we talk about this stuff, but they're happy to talk about it. So I found like my little group of people and then I happened to upload music. You know, it was, a, right. it was like the music was like a secondary thing. Yes. And a lot of people, every now and then there'd be someone who'd like be like, oh, that's a forum like where Ramisha posts. Let me post some music and be like, be like, who the fuck are you? I could swear, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. They'd be like, they, yeah, be like, who the fudge are you? And like, they wouldn't listen because, you know, it was like, oh, you're just here to shamelessly self-promote, you know? Right. Whereas like, I was like a community member first and like, yeah. I was kind of sheepishly putting my music up, but then people liked it. So then I was like, oh, okay, well then I might as well just keep, keep uploading. But there was never this like master plan of like, oh, uh, you know, this is the trick is like, you go on the forums and you make friends and then you, you right. upload your music. It was actually something I didn't even think about. And I, as I said, I almost didn't do it because I was so nervous that it was going to yeah. get ripped apart. I can uh, really speak were... to that too, because I was on car forms. I wasn't on music forms, but I was on car forms and it was just a different community. It's not like Discord yeah. or Instagram or Reddit. Like it was like, you almost got respect if you could bring and share value with people. Like right. the more you could come in and say, I figured out this guitar tone or I figured out how to do this engine swap, the more value, the more, the better, higher quality photos you could upload or the better tracks that you could share got you the cred, which doesn't really feel like the same space anymore, strangely. And that's, you're, 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 you're sort of hitting the nail on the head there, which is, which is that you're getting involved. So like you have respect from other people for being part of this community and it's genuine, you know, you're there because you, you're talking about something that you're passionate about, which most people aren't. Yeah. Um, and then, and then it just happened to be a good vehicle to put out music. So I was just, that's why I was like sort of prolific. I was like, I was just so excited that I could be recording music on my own. Yeah. And that I could do it myself, not not bother anybody. And I'd be recording yeah. like four or five in the morning, yeah. you know, and just like putting out ideas and then I just upload them and I could get like instant feedback and people seem to be stoked about it. Uh, and I was learning as I'm going. Sometimes I was getting like critical feedback. Sometimes people were hating on it or whatever, you know, and it maybe helped me develop a bit of a thicker skin towards that as well. But like there was sometimes stuff where I always found that like if someone said like criticize something about it, and it kind of hurt. It was because I knew it was true. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. well, maybe I need to work okay. on that. Maybe I need, like, if, if I just disagreed with them, I'm very stubborn. I'd be like, eh, whatever. But like, if, if there was like, if it kind of stung, it's like, okay, yeah, maybe I do need to work on that. And I would work on that. So it was a little bit of a, it, it was a way, it was a way to sort of learn and, and improve. Um, but yeah, the, you know, I think the important thing is that the impetus was pure there. The, yeah. the, the, it was really more about like just community and and chatting with friends that you were stoked to be able to chat with and like learn more about this very very niche hobby totally and i love the way that you're framing that too because you're so right like if somebody were to come to you and be like how do we replicate this like you can't because that's just no. that was such a different time and a different era but i just think that it's again another um testament to you just being a genuine fan and loving what you were doing because i think the thing you can replicate is whatever your craft is, whatever the year is, you can find, like, you can be passionate about it and find where other people are passionate about the same thing. Like, that right. will always exist somewhere. Yeah. And, like, but that's that's a lot less clear a path to, like, how do I make, you know what I'm saying? It's totally. like, because what I'll tell people is just, you know, follow your passions, like, just do the things you're passionate about and, like, maybe things will line up. And right. I was I was just passionate about it in and of, it, in and of itself. So, 
I wasn't getting anything out of it other than like, oh, I can talk about these things. Just like if you're a car guy, car guys, if they get together, will not shut up. Yeah. Like you have to pry them apart because it's like, oh, it's it's kosher to talk to you about this stuff. And like people aren't going to hate us, you know, like. Yeah. And then everyone else is like, yo, will you guys just shut up about cars? And, you know, like so 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 it's kind of it's kind of that thing. Like the goal there is just like, oh, like we can have this conversation. That's awesome. So like that's that's unfortunately the trick and i mean i don't know what the trick is uh today and unfortunately the the scene is ever changing so totally um, but it's just cool it's like really cool to hear that because you were just doing it for the love of it and again there's this weird parallel where you kind of did exactly what artists are now excited to do of like record in their bedroom on their own and be able to put stuff out you had this vision for what releasing music should be probably ahead of its time when everyone was signing away a ton of their rights so it's not like you had this stubborn master and plan master plan or anything. It's kind of just like you kept it so simple in the sense of like, does this feel rad? Am I stoked on this? And followed that compass. And then the universe happened to work for you in that sense with a yeah, little bit of kind of, it's kind of still what we do as well. Yeah. You know, Fuck, that's it's still cool. kind of, yeah, it's fun. And that, and that's the thing is like, actually there was like a, a point where, and this is like kind of, word of warning it's like to those of of you who are successful chasing your dreams and it's a lesson i had to learn as well is that that can backfire that be careful what you wish for because you might just get it because all of a sudden you know i think one of anyone who looks at a hobby and and says it would be wonderful to make a living out of this should be aware of this caveat which is that it becomes a job no matter what no matter what you do you know, there will be moments where your job is still a job. Yeah. And some of the magic of a hobby, some of the best parts of a hobby are that you never have to do it, but you have to do your job. And the second that, I don't know, this depends on the personality type, but the second that you have to do your hobby, it can all of a sudden not feel like much of a hobby. It can feel very much like a job and take a lot of the magic and a lot of the passion out of it. And, um, that started to happen with the band because like, you know, all of a sudden now we're making money. Now it's like one of my main sources of income and we're not making a ton of money, but we're making money. You know, we're, we're, we're now not negative anymore on tours, you know? And now I can like quit my job. Like I had other jobs, like I was like producing and I, I, I've always had like a bunch of different ways of making money because the goal for me was always to try to make money eventually passively to where I could like, be making money while I'm doing this podcast with you, you know, or whatever, yeah. just sitting around playing video games. Um, yeah. That yeah. was the goal, right? Because Very I was like, working, working sucks. Working is working sucks. Working is hard. And it's like, if I could find a way to, to make money without having to work so hard and grind constantly, you know, like not only would that be great, but it's much more sustainable. It's like, I'm young, I have energy, I can grind now, but eventually I won't. Yeah. I wanted to like look towards the future, but, but yeah, like, this this started to become a grind and i was like getting very upset about that and kind of depressed because it was like well i've achieved my dream I've, you know this is my dream job i've achieved the impossible for me and yet i'm not getting much happiness i'll say it never affected our music or the creative like that's always been very sacred and we contractually and had everything in place to make sure that no one could ever fuck with that like that's great the label never heard our album until we were turning it in for it to be printed. 
So wow. like that was the first time they would hear it. Same with management. Like it was like no one, no one was involved with the album process except for us. Sick. And that was always sacred. But the everything else and the touring and like the approach and like where we're what sort of looks we're going for with touring and why we're accepting this and you know, this festival or whatever, that's where we were making compromises and we weren't feeling good. And I felt like we were going out on the road a lot just to lose money. Our manager at the time I don't think was a very good manager. Mm -hmm. Um and he didn't mind sending us out to lose money because he would he's one of those managers who would still collect even right. if we lost money, which yeah. a lot of good managers do not do that, but he did. Um and uh and had no qualms about it either. It was an argument. And you know, there there was just a lot of philosophical differences there. And um I, I was just starting to get very upset with what this was representing, you know, like I just wasn't feeling fulfilled. And I always loved my favorite part was always writing the music. Yeah. And the live shows were starting to not cover for like the, the, the sadness and like for like this thing. So I, what I realized is that, you know, to cut a long story short is that what I always loved about music was it being a passion project. Like it was never about the money. The money was always like a means to an end. It's like, if we have money, then we can go on tour. We can afford to go on tour and we can afford to, yeah, to at this level and have production and have all these things. But the goal was never really to like make money off of it, which is why we were never really like concerned with the radio route or like playing arenas or stadium, which a lot of people, including our old manager and like people on our team were trying to influence us to do because it would be very good for them. But for us, right. we were like, we don't care about that stuff. Like I would rather play to like an intimate small crowd that's excited than yeah. to play like a, a huge arena. I was like, if there, I have nothing against arenas and stadiums. Like if we get to that level organically, then wonderful. But right. like, I don't think that will sort of make me happy in any way if, if it's not the sort of genuine connection. And if it wasn't done with music that I believe in. So what um, happened? And I, How did you fix it? Because you're obviously still like, here. Fired a lot of people. <laughs> wow. wow. And took control of a lot of stuff. Started our own label. Got a manager who is incredible the only way i could like sort of re relate that is like if you ever dated a, a girl or significant other that was just terrible to you i feel like everyone has that one one yep. bad one you know yeah uh, yep. i i generally get along with my exes but like there's one that like i don't talk to mm -hmm. uh i don't think she's a bad person or anything we just were very very bad fit yep. for for each yep. other and, and, and i have not back at it and be like Ooh, that wasn't and, right and yeah, and then I remember the girl I dated right after. I was like, "Oh my god, I didn't know that it could be this good." Like, what? Like, why was I putting up with that? Well, this manager is kind of the same thing. It's like, God, we've been with him now for like five or six years, and like I consider him like a member of this. Like at this point, he's so enmeshed in the band. Like I couldn't even imagine Periphery without him. That's you know? amazing. And and like unlike with the previous manager, I want to make sure this guy gets paid every. So this guy's worth every penny. I mean, since he's become become our manager, Periphery has just made more and more money every year. Yeah, so like yeah, yeah. the day, like, and that's the sign of a good manager. It's like whatever you're paying him, you should be still netting more. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So this guy, this guy's the real deal. Yeah, literally, our band would not be uh, where it is without without his help. And he wow. understood what we wanted to do, and effectively, we've been able to turn. You know, for me, because I had all these other side ventures and signature models and businesses. Now the money that Periphery makes, Periphery's never made very much money, mm. um, but but now that doesn't matter. Right. Now it doesn't well, I was going to ask you about that because at what point in your head, like it seems like you did a lot of what you do in your life out of a point of just passion. 
However, yeah. you did acknowledge that early on, you're like, I should figure out a way to have some kind of passive income. So like, where did your business savvy skills come from? Where did that idea and where did uh, just going from being like, all right, I should have passive income to thinking of ways like selling tones or selling uh, digital assets? Like, where did that really start clicking for you? And how did you master that? Because I think you've done a good job I, of it. I don't think I've mastered anything. I think this is just one of those things where it's just the way my brain is wired. You know, mm. like I wouldn't even consider myself like kind of like strong with business. I never would have considered myself with that, but it was just sort of putting things together. Interesting. And I mean, even still, like there's so many, I, I just consider myself to be very mediocre at a lot of things. You know? That's so wild. Uh, but, uh, but I surround myself with people that like sort of complete teams and that like, you could delegate. Yeah. Um, I'd say that yeah. that's, that's kind of an important thing. It's not about all being great at something. It's like, if you can just delegate and have everyone kind of divide and conquer, you know, that's, that makes it very efficient. That's incredible. the people that I work with advice. are people, they're, they're people that I trust, you know, mm -hmm. like every, everyone that I work with, I like, you know, uh, and that's very important. And I would put that over, over money. There, there are deals I could do and there, there are companies I could work with and there are things, there are moves I could make. Right now, I could make a few phone calls and make make more money. Right. But I like the people I work with. And I think that's the most important thing. Like having a genuine re relationship with the people that you work with is, is is worth whatever amount of opportunity costs as far as money. Well, it's like you kind of um, just explained that lesson that you guys learned is like you did the thing. Be careful what you wish for. It becomes the job. You experienced periphery as a job. You experienced it not being rad. And then kind of had this second breath of life of like it getting better. So I can only imagine you feeling that within your within your personal business where you're like, nah, 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 fool me once. Yeah. Like, no, but you you start to understand that like just siding having a good group of people around you mm -hmm. that you trust and that have the same vision shortcuts a lot of conversations. Wow. There's a lot of conversations that don't need to happen. Wow. Like in any of the businesses or any of these things, it would be very easy for a lot of these people to screw the business over, screw me over or whatever. Yeah. But that's just not a conversation because like, and, and nor is it stress. And if you have yeah. those things, that's a bit of a red flag. Totally. You know, that's maybe a bit of a tip right there because, because that is now stress that lives in your head and it's inefficient. That, that space could be used towards working on something, but now you're worrying about something and now you're butting heads over something. So I'd, I'd say finding the team and finding a group of people that you genuinely get along with, you know, um, like I have my signature guitar with Jackson guitars. And I, t I say this like openly, it's like, there are, there are a bunch of guitar companies. Like my guitar that we've designed is my favorite guitar, but there's yeah. a lot of guitar companies I could have designed a guitar with. And they, they probably would have done a great job as well, you know, totally. but it's the people, it's the people at Jackson that I really like. Wow. You know? um, and, and it and it shortcuts a lot. You know, I work with with guitar nerds there. So they get it. We don't have to have as in-depth conversations. If they're sending me a sample to approve and they think it's sick, I'm probably gonna think it's sick. And yeah. if it's not, they don't send it to me. <laughs> you know, they're like, no, it's right. not it's not quite there. Because we're looking at that same sort of granular level of stuff, you know? Which yeah. if we weren't on the same page and some people were more financially motivated. They might be like, oh, it's fine, dude. You should just push this through because here's why. We can make the, you know, we can make NAM for the for 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 this, and then we can <laughs> yeah, have it out by yeah, Q2. Yeah. And it's like all these reasons which I won't care about because I'm like, I I just want the guitar to be sick, and we right. can figure out the 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 money later. 
You know, what was your first uh, like side hustle endeavor? Like, what was your first thing outside of the band that made you money? I mean, uh, on tour, giving lessons, even though I wasn't oh, a wow. good guitarist. <laughs> yeah, I would yeah, give yeah. lessons, and that was like kind of motivated by our drummer. He's probably even more business minded. He's probably the most business minded. He's he's a hustler through and through. Sick. Um, Again, and, aligning and, with people that you're like. Yeah, 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 and and I mean, like, like he's just to the nth degree there. And he was giving lessons and he was encouraging us to give lessons. I'm like, sure, like however I can make a buck. Right. And then also um, I'd kind of accidentally started to produ produce bands, you know, at oh. home. And like, although I'd never really wanted to produce bands, I was like, well, this beats like, it was like, oh, if I produce a band, I don't have to work for a month. So I, I'll just do that. It seems like yeah, much you, you less knew, work. Again, you knew what regular work was and you knew how much that paid you. And then you knew how yeah. much a band would pay you. And you're like, well, this is better. And then I would just keep my expenses very low. Like, you know, I don't, I don't drink. I wouldn't go out. I didn't have a girlfriend for most of this, you know, kind of on purpose. It was just like, all these things are like distractions and expensive. And it's like, I have my goal. Like I want to put everything towards that. Yeah. I was really careful with how I bought gear. Um, because if you can get, you know, it was always looking at resale, so a lot of the stuff I was buying, I was selling for at least what I paid, if not more, making some money off the stuff. There's just everywhere I could, I was trying to uh, to spend as little money as possible and and sort of see where I could make some money. Could you like um, flip gear on forms? Like I know like car. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 nice. Yeah, yeah. And and it was social media in general would make that like kind of kind of easy to do. But I'd always find ways to get gear at like you know like I'd, I was kind of aware of the market. And I'd just be like, okay, that's a good price. And like, if I wanted yeah. to get rid of it, I bet I could make money off of yeah. it, you know? Um, it's funny how that like economy is in every hobby or subculture, right? Like in cars, like I can tell you yeah. like, what specific wheels sell for as if, as if they are currency or like, you know, like there's like just, I'm sure it's that with music. I, yeah. I well. think, I think exactly the same way about cars when I'm buying yeah. cars. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, the thing is once you have a bit more money and leverage and like once you, um, um, like, like, especially with, with money being as cheap as it is right now. Yeah. Um, uh, you, you can, you can own these, you know, like, like not to get too, too in depth in this, but like I've invested against, like, like I have the Lamborghini, right. But yeah. like, I've invested against that car to where if I sold it today, I would probably be positive. So oh, like, totally. yeah, so, that's so, so if we ran a net calculation on it, at the very like worst case scenario, it's cost me zero dollars to own that car for two years. Dude, that which is kind of mind when I understood that. I did the same thing with my Porsche, where I was just like, "Yo, wait a minute, I can get money at this interest rate, and it's selling for this, and I can sit right. here and watch the depreciation curve, and I can watch what they're selling for with comparable miles." So it's like, you mean to tell me that I can get money essentially for free, and then apply this? Like, that's funny that you said that actually because. I think that maybe you've applied that to quite a lot of things. Well, so here's the thing. Unlike, unlike gear, the good thing about like guitars and gear and whatever yeah. is there's usually just one sort of depreciation hit, like one you buy it. So new to used sure. and from there, as long as nothing drastic happens to it, they tend to hold value. And in some sure, cases, yeah. will depending on hype will increase, but it, you just get that kind on of one. No, no. And you just kind of get that one dip. Now, obviously if you trash it or whatever, that may affect it. But even then it's not like, it's not like a depreciation curve. It's just kind of like a dip. And then, and then it's just sort of like just stays that value unless you do something stupid. Right. Right. But like, 
um, that makes it very easy to sort of calculate this kind of stuff. So, and I had no problem buying used gear. So I just buy used gear and I'd try to negotiate a good price on it. And I'm like, well, I could sell for more than that. You know, and yeah, yeah. you can flip gear around. I, I wouldn't say like I made a ton of money flipping gear. I know people who made way more and way more strategic. I wanted to use the gear and whatever, but it was more like, well, I'm supporting my hobby and I'm doing it in a way where like, if we look at the net cost, it's not really that much. And if ever I was yeah. in trouble financially, I could sell this to where I wouldn't have lost money or maybe I made like a couple bucks at the end of the day. Totally. So that that was in the back of my head when I was yeah. buying, you know, because as I, as I started to make a bit more money, like I get more and more gear mm -hmm. and, and, and it looked, it looked kind of crazy at times, but it's like, no, this is like strategic, like, yes. and really like, yeah. I don't actually have that much money in this because well, it resells so well. And I even With see cars. now like you're interested, like you're into watches. And I think that's like, that's literally just another place to put money and hold it. Like it's well, not it's like, like you're I traded like a guitar for my Daytona and it's since gained, I think $15,000 of value. Exactly. So it's like that thing's an investment and exactly. I didn't put very much money into the guitar that I traded it for. So right. that I'm like, like, honestly, I've joked about it, but I could probably like smash that wash against the ground, take a piss on it and still make a profit at this point. Yeah, so I just, I wear, I wear that watch all the time. Um, this is a watch. I'm, I'm a, I'm a watch ambassador for a crown and caliber. So this is the one I'm loaning from them right now, but I actually want to buy this. This is the, the GMT. I don't know if you could, you know, let me just oh, let me not cool. be a clown about this. But I actually messed up on this one. I've been wanting this one for a while, and I thought the prices would dip. Yeah. And now they're about five thousand dollars more. So if I'd bought this when I, when I kind of wanted to buy it, I would be up. Yeah. Well, and like everything, everything you're saying there is like you're just you're understanding an economy of goods past just the dollar because that exists yeah. in all of these different uh, hobbies or interests or genres of items. Well, all these things are frivolous, right? And they're sure. irresponsible. My love for cars is irresponsible. The cars that I like are stupid. Yeah. They you know, are. It, it, like if, if I could switch something off in my brain to not like them, I probably would because it's so stupid and irresponsible and you're throwing a lot of money at a depreciating asset. So I said, if I'm going to be irresponsible, I'm going to be responsibly irresponsible, right? I'm going to wow. try and mitigate the damage as much as possible. So I understand that these things are terrible investments, but maybe there's a way to structure this where... I, I can make it not as bad. Like, and yes, hobbies cost money. Like that's, the, that's why they're hobbies and not a job. Jobs you get paid, hobbies you pay for. So this <laughs> is a hobby. And it's also something that I learned a lesson from music with. You know, music, I was able to come out the other side, turn it back into a hobby. And now I love it again, right? Holy shit. But, but you know, the entrepreneurial part of my brain's like, oh, I love cars. I should get like a car YouTube going. I should do all this stuff. Yeah, and and like try to figure out like how to pay as little for cars as possible. But the thing that I realized is there's always a cost. And when I was younger, I didn't mind trading time and stress to save money. Yeah. But now that I have a bit of money to play with, I'm better off using that and saving myself the time and stress. So I'm actively not. I'm act actively going to keep cars as a hobby. You know, yeah. I'm not going to pursue it because if it becomes a full time job, one, I don't have the time, and two, I don't ever want to have the stress. Or I don't ever want to look at a car and be like, oh, I don't want to drive that. You know, like I have to drive that. Like that to me would be very depressing for something I consider to be my, my most passionate hobby. And um, the cost of that is money. 
Wow. I, I relate to that on a spiritual level. Like I, yeah. I intentionally, I knew I loved cars for a very long time, but I had a very similar thought process where I was like, I always want to love this and I never want to mess it up. So if I can find something that I really like or something else that I like and make that my career, then I can always make this the hobby. So I, I can't yeah. believe you're saying and that. And this is, so this well. is the caveat. This is the, this is the, you know, I've come out from the other side and it's a lesson that I've learned. You know, it's a very big lesson, which is be careful with these things, especially if you're entrepreneurial, your, your gut instinct is like, okay, how do I turn this into something profitable? Yeah. But that, that cost is time and stress. And eventually, and especially as you start to get older, time and stress aren't something that you can just throw around as much anymore, you know? Um, and those are very valuable things. So I would rather just spend the money. But if I'm going to spend the money, I'm going to spend it as responsibly as possible in the pursuit of something very irresponsible. To conclude this, because I know that we've been rambling a little bit and we've gone yeah. in our little side ventures and all that. This is the I danger when you have people who have uh, similar interests. You will ramble about stuff and lose it's people. It's so bad. But it's my favorite <laughs> thing. I acknowledge that it it's is, bad it and is. I'm like, I don't care. That's fine. No, it's good. Here it's we good. Go. It's good people. <laughs> So, though, to conclude a podcast episode and to make it somewhat uh, manageable and not a giant long episode, I think the thing that I, I was really the most interested with you is that there's this theme of a genuine dude who showed up and did something that he loved, had success at it, and stayed genuine and stayed doing those things. And the success and the the side hustles and the side money and all of those things were kind of the afterthought, but you did them very well. So the piece that I want to conclude with is like, what would you share for those people that are next up, right? There's going to be different genres. There's going to be different structures in business. But I think the example that you said is so remarkable that I'm just curious of your perspective as you now look at it as a whole. Yeah, I'd say... I'd say my advice will sound cliche, but I'll, I'll warn you guys. There's a lot of lessons that I've learned in life. And then like after you learn it the hard way, you realize it's best summed up with some cliche sentence that you're like, I finally understand this. That's the perfect that. way to the perfect way to say it. I just never had the context or perspective to understand why that's the perfect thing. But this is going to sound super cliche, but it's also the most effective way to get the point across, which is just be genuine and chase Chase genuine things, chase passions, chase things that you want. Do not chase the money. And like the money will follow. It won't follow on its own. Be strategic, you know, be smart. Try to educate yourself. Try to try to just always have the perspective like how, how can I profit from this with, you know, from a financial sense. But that should always be secondary. If I had a choice between something I could make, you know, considerably more money with, but I wouldn't enjoy, or something that I'm making considerably less, but I would really love. That is what I would choose every time. And I would just trust that the money would come. Um, this is my, this is my uh, coffee company, right? Golden Lantern Coffee Roasters. I don't of think we course make. Of course you're into coffee too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Come I, I, on, no, dude. I'm like the biggest Come coffee on. nerd. Biggest coffee nerd. It's the only reason why I have a coffee company. So I, I partnered with like our old tour manager, who's a genius at roasting. We don't make any money doesn't matter. I, I love, I put so much time and work into this because I love it. I'm actually technically a silent partner. Like I don't need to like put any work into it, like as per our contract. And I do just cause I love it. And honestly, the way I see it, like I'm getting free coffee and like, it's the best, it's like the absolute best coffee. And that's, that's worth the investment alone. But like, I'm also getting to like work on a craft that I really, really care about. 
So, so that comes so back. That, to that that's that's thing. very that's my latest sort of investment. Uh, I don't ever care if we make a buck off of this. Like I'm so stoked with with, and it's one of my best friends. I love him to death. You know, yeah. um, he's a guy I trust to the end of the world. He's one of the hardest working people I know. Matt Rosenblum. Well, um, it really sounds like that's the theme in your life. Is yeah, you chase just, the passions. Yeah, yeah, and like. I don't know why, but I've been pretty fortunate that like when I really set my sights on something, it's like I could just trust myself to make it happen. You know, um, yeah. it doesn't always happen. I've failed at like a billion things, but sure. like, uh, but but the things that have been successful have always been the result of like just feeling like you know this is probably where people are like oh you you want it like everybody wants but everybody wants it but it's just really like pursuing pursuing it for the right reasons because here's the thing and this this always used to be my my argument with music you know because people are like you know why don't you just sneak a couple radio songs onto your album you know and then those can be like the drivers for radio and then you still have all the the stuff you know and it's it's like i have no interest in that because that's not why i make music i don't even know how i would create a radio song you know we've had songs that have been on radio we have songs that have had some commercial appeal, but that was never the goal. That's just how it happened to be. And that's a beautiful thing in my opinion, you know, but to yeah. sit there with a the goal of trying to create that is all of a sudden makes it not fun, you know? Yeah. And there are people that fall into that trap because they're at this, this point, this turning point where if they did that, you know, there are, there are potentially great financial advantages, you know, all of a sudden your bank bank money, you wouldn't have to worry about money anymore. But it can also alienate your fans. It's such a risk. And it's just, if I did that, it just wouldn't be genuine. And I wouldn't be passionate about it. I wouldn't be able to sell it. And if it sucked or if it got criticism, like I said earlier, I would agree with them. And it would really hurt. If yeah. I do it now. It would ring true. You'd feel doesn't, it. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, fuck, you're right, dude. That sucks. I can at least say that what we've done with Periphery, like every and, and all my side projects and solo projects, whatever I put out, if people hate it, like it's fine. Cause I believe in it. I'm a stubborn asshole. Like I'll yeah. be like, yeah, that's cool. Like I, I know, I know what I like about, it. I know that I feel good about it. So it doesn't matter. But if I compromised on that and then got called out for it, that would hurt. That would sting real hard. And I just don't ever want to be in that situation. So maybe I'm just a stubborn egotistical asshole, but like, that's, you know, that's, I, mean, I just don't want it to hurt when people insult me. <laughs> you know? I've really learned a lot from you in this podcast, to be honest, like you, you kept it so simple and like what I feel in it and what I've been reminded of is just like, you can kind of keep it that simple. Like if you're truly, truly passionate about something, that fire will drive you to making the right steps. And then it's the basics of like not aligning with shitty people, not doing things for the wrong reasons, not chasing these wrong, like, you know, the money or the the false goals or milestones. And you're an example of that paying off. And again, it doesn't happen with everyone, but it's really fucking cool to have somebody as genuine and keeping it that simple as you show that it's possible. That's what that's I why that's why it. I said so much of this comes down to luck, because like these guidelines don't guarantee anything. Yeah. But it is, you know, it's shocking how simple it is, but I think people want it to be more complicated. Even when I think about like the people I associate with, if I were to describe what I'm looking for, people who give a shit and who work hard, that's it. That's literally it. <laughs> like, but it, it's like, oh, that shouldn't be like, it's fucking impossible to find people <laughs> like uh, <who> genuinely <laughs> yeah. like good people. They give a shit and they work hard. Like that yeah. is really, really hard to find. 
So, you know, it, it, it is, it's deceptively simple and it yet is complicated, but like at least the basic tenets of, of what I do and, 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 you know, how I approach everything are simple enough to, to explain casually over a, a podcast. And the, the well, difficulty you had to go to space to do it, dude. It's not I, had, I did have to go to space. Thanks, Elon. But um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's 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 all in the minutia and it's it's in the opportunity. Like it's not quite as simple as as it sounds, but at least you can always call on these very simple sort of ideas to remember and simple things like don't chase the money, like chase the passion. Like that's really that's really what I would put forward because those times where we were playing to people who didn't give a shit about us and we were sleeping on people's floors, I was still stoked. If I cared about money, I would have been so bummed, but I was chasing the passion and that's why all of that was okay. And in whatever venture you have, whatever business you have, you are going to have hard times. You're going to have times that under certain circumstances, you'd be like, is this even fucking worth it? But if you're doing something that you believe in, something that you really are just like, I, yeah, you'll be like, I don't care. Like, this is, this is great. doesn't matter. I haven't made a buck with this. Like, I love it. Makes me so very happy. Cool. So, so that would be my lesson. Like, cause then even if you don't get the money, at least you get some happiness out of it. Dude, that you could not have concluded that any better. And I like, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for not being above it. You didn't know me at all. This was just some random podcast and you've done a ton of these and you took the time and I, really hope that anyone listening to this understands that and appreciates your time and appreciates you sharing that lesson because i certainly fucking do all right yeah no, I mean, it's no problem at all uh, i i'm sorry that i have to end this now but i have to uh, take a call uh in alpha centauri and that's like four light years away so dude better get, uh better get skedaddle on travel in there yeah <laughs> cool. There it is, Misha's story. Holy crap. I hope you guys got as much out of that as I did. I'm truly blown away by that. One thing that I will say here at the end is we really got deep into nerding out on cars and a bit of finance. So I'm going to cut that and make it its own bonus episode. So if you subscribe to the Patreon, that'll be there. If you made it this far and you liked the episode again, if you're down to share it with your friends, share it on social media, subscribe to the channel or the podcast, wherever you're listening. All those things help me so immensely and I really do appreciate it. And it's something that you can do for free. There it is. I'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you for listening.